we'd like to welcome you to our dedicated study entitled Red Alert, Bail Arches in New York City and London to be unveiled on 4-19-2016, which is essentially six days away from now. This is the same day the blood sacrifice to the beast period begins. And we're going to get into a full breakdown of what all this means uh, in the coming study. So this is going to be just pretty much dedicated to this one particular subject. There's a lot to cover. Uh, about a 15-page PDF we'll be trying to get through. Before we get into the actual current events <clears throat> regarding this, I think it's necessary to go back and do a Bible and historical study on Baal. And uh, we're, we'll actually even get into the full how is it actually really pronounced type thing. But for the argument, for, for the sake of argument for the study, I'm just going to pronounce it Baal for the study. Um, from an etymology standpoint, if you go back into the original Hebrew, it's a little different the way it's pronounced. But uh, So forgive me that. But uh, the word Baal, the Babylonian Belu or Bel, his name means Lord. That's what the actual uh, etymology of that word means. And was the title of the supreme male divinity God, small g, among the Canaanites and the Phoenicians. In Babylonia, it was the title especially applied to Merodach of Babylon, which in time came to be used in place of his actual name. As the word in Hebrew also means possessor, it has been supposed supposed to have originally signified when used in a religious sense the god of a particular piece of land or soil the babylonian bel meridoc was a sun god and so too was uh khan Baal, whose full title was Baal shimam which is lord of heaven so any of all of these blasphemous titles i'm just kind of want to kind of touch on them just so we'll have kind of an idea uh, how far-reaching, I guess, this term actually is. A famous Phoenician writer says that the children of the first generation of mankind, in time of drought, stretched forth their hands to heaven toward the sun, for they regarded him, meaning Baal, as the sole lord of heaven, and called him Bel-Samin, which means lord of heaven in the Phoenician language, and is equivalent to Zeus in the Greek. So you're going to see a lot of, and I've went over this a lot in previous studies, a lot of these terms that are used for uh, Baal or Zeus or Merodach or Marduk or, or Cyrus, a lot of them are essentially the same devil, the same fallen angel you're worshipping, just under a different cultural application it's for that culture they they called it this but it's the same devil that they were worshiping in the previous generation or in generations to come um, going further here attributes of Baal as the sun god Baal was worshiped under two aspects uh, benevolent and destructive on the one hand, he supposedly, and I put that word in there, gave light and warmth to his worshippers. He, he does nothing of the kind. Okay, The Lord Jesus Christ, who created the heavens and the earth, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made, as the Bible says in 1 John. He is the creator of life. He is the giver of goodness. He, is, you know, he created the sun. He framed the stars. 
So, pagans, though, will view their deities who have duped them into believing some lie about, I'm the one that, you know, gives you the harvest and I give you the reaping, and they buy into that garbage. And these devils that are talking to them through whatever means they're talking to them through, whether it's trans channelers or, or whatever, they're going to lie to them constantly and take the credit for what God is actually doing so much of the time. <clears throat> so going further, on the other hand, the fierce heats of summer destroyed the veg vegetation he had himself brought into being. Again, he didn't do that, but... Hence, human victims were sacrificed to him in order to appease his anger in time of plague or other trouble. So this is where we see the first mention of human sacrifice in order to appease Baal. The victim being usually firstborn of the sacrificer and being burnt alive. So, yeah, and usually the, the, the closer to uh, the, it being the firstborn infant, the better, because, you know, Satan has to have the most sadistic things imaginable to appease him, essentially. In the Old Testament, this is euphemistically termed as passing the victim through the fire, which we see that term used over and over again in the Old Testament. Uh, 1 Kings 16.3 and 21.6 are just a couple places. So, continuing, the forms under which Baal was worshipped were necessarily as numerous as the communities which which worshipped him each locality had its own Baal or divine quote lord who frequently took the name from the city or place to which he belonged hence there is Baal Zur Baal of Tyre Baal Hermon uh, a lot of these are, are, are in the Bible so Judges 3.3 3 is the last one Baal Lebanon, Baal Tariz at other times the title was attached to the name of an individual god Thus we have Bel Merodach, Baal Merakarth, Attire, Baal God, uh, which is Joshua eleven seventeen in the north of Israel. Occasionally, the second element was a noun, as in Baal Shimon, which means Lord of Heaven, or Beelzebub, Second Kings one two, which is Lord of the Flies, and then we have Baal Haman, which is usually interpreted Lord of the Heat because he's associated with being the sun god as well. All of these various forms of the sun god were collectively known as Balaam, or Baals, who took their place by the side of the female Ashtaroth, or Ashtrim. At Carthage, Carthage, the female consort of Baal was termed Penibal, which means the face or the reflection of Baal. So they had all kind of flavors for, for this devil Baal worship. In the earlier days of Hebrew history, the title Baal, or Lord, was applied to the national god of Israel. Now, don't get confused here. This is before the name was actually usurped. A usage was revived in later times and is familiar to us in the King James Version. Hence, both Jonathan and David had sons called Marib Baal, which in 1 Chronicles 8.31 and 9.40, and then Belidea, Bel, I'm sorry, Belidea, 1 Chronicles 14, 7. After the time of Ahab, however, the name became associated with the worship and rites of the Phoenician deity introduced into Samaria by Jezebel. And its idolatrous associations accordingly caused it to fall in disrepute, meaning the name was in disrepute. Baal being turned into 
boshef, which in Hebrew conveyed the sense of shame. Okay. Hosea 2.16 declares that henceforth the God of Israel should no longer call, should no longer be called Bali, meaning my Baal, which is what it means. Ba Bali means that term. Remember, the original etymology of the name is my Lord or Lord. Okay. But after Hosea 2.16, God says, Don't do that, don't call me that anymore. I don't want to be associated with that term anymore. It's been corrupted. Okay, so and just going to those Bible verses to give us some more clarity. Hosea 2.15, and I will give her, and her in this context is Israel. I've actually done a teaching on this portion of scripture. Uh, I'll get into that in a second. And I will give her, so again, her in this context is Israel, vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. Um. Achor was where Akin, whose main name in the Hebrew means trouble, um, basically betrayed Israel. Okay, and he had stolen the Babylonian garment and some talents of silver, hid them, and when they went into the battle of, I believe, Ai, they lost troops. This was in the Promised Land. It was the first time they had had any kind of defeat. And when they inquired of the Lord why God had them numbered by, them, by uh, families and, and these types of things, and they winnowed and winnowed and winnowed it down until they got to um, Achan and his family, and he had brought sin into the camp. Okay, So <clears throat> the Valley of Achor is where Achan and his family and his possessions were actually judged in, um, in very, very harsh manner uh, so the whole theme of this verse is the valley of acre for a door of hope and pastor weaver's done a whole teaching on this which is where i got kind of inspired to do my teaching on it and um uh, it's just called a door of hope okay it's one of the best sermons i've ever heard in my life it's life-changing. I gave you the link here to it. And um, it's it's Pastor John Weaver. And in, in, I give you two different links that you can go to it. But essentially where God judges, where, God ju where, where God's judgment comes down, in that particular sense, what it enabled the children of Israel to do is go in and take and possess the rest of the promised land. Had they not got and dealt with the sin that was brought into the camp by Achan, they would have probably continued to be defeated in battle, in the promised land. And so it was necessary for God to judge Achan and that whole situation in order for them to have the blessing to go and possess the promised land. So when, and I've said this, you know, many, many times, when God judges sin, good things always end up happening. And it was a, it it had to be done in in order for Israel to be blessed, in what they had been commissioned to do to go into the promised land. So the Valley of Achor for a door of hope that was their door of hope, at the time because even though Achan was judged there. And that whole situation was was judged. Very very good things came from it, and they were able to proceed on, and this became their hope essentially. Okay, and th this is what that term means. 
And then it says, and she, and, and again, Pastor Weaver gets into it, and I get into it in a, in a dedicated study. I'll go over in a second. So that's just a cliff note version of the whole thing. Um, going further, it says, and she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Okay, so again, we're in reference to Israel. And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi. Now, Ishi in this particular case would be translated as champion. God was their champion, okay? He was the one that delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians and then, and then brought them through all the, all the trials after that, even though they betrayed him and bringing them through the promised land, even though I know that a whole generation had to pass away because of their lack of faith, but he raised up another generation and they went in to possess the promised land that he had promised them, okay? But God was their champion throughout all of this. I mean, without God, they would have been destroyed. They, they would have never got out of Egypt. They would have never made it across the Red Sea. They, you know what I mean? They, they, they would have never made it out of the promised land. They would have got annihilated the first time they would have went into the promised land. I mean, when the spies originally had went in, the, the generation that didn't have the faith to go in, it says we are as grasshoppers in their sights. And, and these were giants. They were giants in the land. And the Bible says in Noah... Um, in Genesis 6, that there were giants in the land, and also after that, okay, when the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, they took them wise, all that they chose, and they created this race of Nephilim, which is where that word giants is translated from, and those giants were not only wiped out, though, in Genesis 6 through a worldwide flood, but they were also after that. So, most likely, there were more angels that fell afterward that were procreating with women, and they were doing it in the exact region that God had promised Israel, and Satan knew that, and he put those giants there ahead of time in order to discourage them, and the first generation was discouraged, because they're like, we're as grasshoppers, and it's like, we can't beat these guys. You know, only two of the spies had the faith to believe that they could go in and, and, and possess the land, but that wasn't enough. There was not enough faith there. So God had to raise up a new generation. Um, so God was their champion through all of this. So it says, And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi, meaning champion, and shall call me no more Bali, which again means my ball, which is my Lord, essentially. So this is the, the point in the Bible where it specifically says, don't call me Baal or Bali anymore, okay? Because that word has been, um, you know, uh, messed up. It's, 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 it's no good anymore. It's, it's been discredited, that, that whole term and phrase there. So uh, just some interesting stuff here to, to kind of look at. The, the term had essentially been just denigrated. So, anyway, then we go to the next verse, and it says, uh, Hosea 2.17, For I will take away the names of Balaam out of her mouth, which is another derivation of Baal. There's so many. I mean, as we've already covered a whole bunch. Um, I will take the names of Balaam out of her mouth, meaning Israel's mouth, and they shall no more be remembered, uh, and they shall no more be, uh, be remembered by their name it says the names of balaam now remember i've already just went over tons of different 
derivations and ways that it can be said. So it's the names of Baal. It's not just Baal. It's like all these different ways that this can be expressed, depending on your region, depending on what time you lived in, depending on what religion you're in, you know. So it's like um, Satanic Baskin Roberts, 33 or however many flavors they got for every way you could possibly, you know, um, convey the, the word of Baal. Okay, so going further, then just to kind of give you the link to the teaching I've done, I give Pastor Weaver's link on A Door of Hope, and then the one that I did called Imprecatory Prayer, Psalm 64, God's Judgment on Wickedness, A Christian's Door of Hope. Um, this is a very important teaching regarding imprecatory prayers and why the judgment of God on wickedness has always been a Bible believer's door of hope. We will explore many scriptures to validate this, but this is not a teaching that is usually ever heard or preached on in the modern day churches of America. If we as Bible believing Christians can get a hold of this biblical concept, the Lord will be able to work through us individually and collectively in a mighty way. Now, I also say this based on what we're going to be covering with this April 19th date, with the debut, the debuting of these arches of Baal in New York City and London, and they're only getting started. They want to put them in a thousand other cities. And the spiritual implications of that, and that there needs to be a ton of prayer and or fasting, if you're convicted, going on about this. Because I really, when I when I first saw this subject, I looked at it and I'm like, oh, just one more satanic thing they're trying to do. But I think it's way bigger than that now. After looking at this in kind of a more in-depth way, and I think that by the time you get to the end of this study with me, you're going to understand why this is so serious and why I put it as a red alert thing. I've only done that like one other time in all the, my word, long time I've been in ministry. So I guess this is going into my 10th year, 10th to 11th, in that time range. Um, I've only put Red Alert in front of one other teaching, and I've got way over a thousand individual parts up there. So I'm just saying this could be a really, really, really pivotal time period from April 19th to May 1st, and you're going to see why a little bit later. Okay, I don't want to give too much away now, but I get ahead of myself too much. So, going back to the, this table of contents for this teaching that I did. Uh, beyond salvation, this is one of the most important issues that modern day Bible believers need to understand. And hopefully this will be a big encouragement to you as well. This teaching was originally inspired by Pastor John Weaver's sermon, A Door of Hope. And I give you the links to that below. So that's there. And then a lady, one of my listeners, way back in 07... Um, 2007, she posted a comment about this sermon that uh, Pastor Weaver did, and it said, thank you for this wonderful sermon. Now, she's thanking him for doing it, uh, which was sent to me by Scott Johnson. I was educated and moved by it. It is a sermon that all true Christians should listen to. Thank you. So that was just a little comment there I posted. Anyway, back to the study on Baal. Temples of Baal at Samaria and Jerusalem are mentioned in 1 Kings 118 where they had been erected at the time when Ahab, Ahab's dynasty endeavored to fuse Israelites and Jews and Phoenicians into a single people under the same national Phoenician god. Altars on which incense was burned to Baal were set up in the streets of Jerusalem, according to Jeremiah 11.13, apparently on, and on flat roofs of the houses in Jeremiah 32.29, and the temple of Baal contained an image of 
the god in the shape of a pillar that's evidenced in second kings 10 26 and 27 so this was a gigantically huge issue in the old testament the literal worship of Baal, the literal sacrificing of children of Baal. I mean, it, it was one of the chief deities mentioned over and over. If you do a keyword search just for Baal, just that word. Now remember, there's all kind of derivations of it, but that there's over fifty in the in the in the Bible just on that one word. And then if you again, if you were to go into all the derivations, and I don't even know them all, who knows how many are in there? So when you have something mentioned that much in Scripture. It's something that you want to take note of. It's something that's probably going to rear its ugly head again in the end times, if you think about it. I mean, there are certain things that are mentioned maybe one time in Scripture, certain deities maybe, that were uh, worshipped as, as gods. But I, I don't really think there's one that's overall mentioned more than Baal. There, there might be, but, but I don't think there's that many that that were okay so again and you include all the derivations of the ways you can say it i don't i don't think there's probably any one deity that would even come close to ball so anyway going for, forward here uh let's see here in the reign of ahab ball was served in israel by 450 priests first kings 18 19 we're going to look at that in a minute as well as prophets second kings 10 19 and his worshipers wore special vestments when his ritual was performed, 2 Kings uh, 10.22, the ordinary offering made to Baal consisted of incense, Jeremiah 7.9, and burnt sacrifices. And on occasions, the victim was human, Jeremiah 19.5. And I, I think, you know, that kind of depended on the time and the region that you were living in. If it was more, you know, moving into further and further debauchery, that was probably more the norm, a human sacrifice. Uh, the ordinary, I mean, again, when Satan comes in, he's going to come in more subtly at the beginning, typically, and it's not, maybe it's going to be animal and these types of things, and then as you get more and more used to that concept, and as people get become more and more demon-possessed and, possessed and under the influence of these devils, that they're literally inviting into their flesh by participating in these rituals, well, then you're going to, you're going to be open to do more and more and more that you would have never thought about doing before. And this is where we're, we're getting to, really, in this country, where, the fact that I have to do a study on this subject is, is almost mind-blowing because you're looking, they're, they're going to be doing this in Times Square. They're going to be, you know, erecting these, these arches of ball, these gigantic arches of ball in Times Square. And, and what are the spiritual implications of that? I mean, it's, it's just, it's beyond comprehension. And you're going to see that more and more as we go on in the study too. Why that's so wicked. The ordinary offering, um, okay, and then it says, at times the priests worked, worked themselves into a state of frenzy and ecstasy and danced around the altar and slashed themselves with knives, First uh, Kings 18, 26, and 28, um, which is like certain dervish orders in modern Islam, which, you know, you're dealing with a whole bunch of demon-possessed people there as well. So let's just look at some of the uses, and these are just some of the times Baal is mentioned in the Bible. These are just some of the verses, just to, Small sampling, really. Uh, Judges 2.13, and they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth, which you'll a lot of times see Baal and Ashtaroth, the goddess of the groves, of the oak groves, typically, um, together. Okay, So when they forsook God, they served Baal and Ashtaroth. So 
you know, remember the the you can't bow the knee to Baal and the knee to, to God. That's the that that's in the Bible as well. Judges six twenty five then says, and it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. So typically there was a grove by an altar where Baal was worshipped and where sacrifices were performed in order to appease this uh, devil from the pit of hell. Okay, so God is always in the Bible telling them to destroy these altars and to cut down the groves and, and, and you know, to get rid of these things. Okay, uh, not just to pray over it, but to destroy them. Okay, because they needed to be destroyed. I mean, that was that was showing that you had the faith to to do exactly what God was saying, and that you were trying to cleanse the land of this wickedness. Judges six twenty eight. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it. And that goes on to say that the men of the city. When they saw it, they wanted to kill the guy that had done it. Because, oh, you, 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 you cut down our our grove and 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 destroyed our altar. We want to kill you. You know, I mean, this is how demon possessed they were. First uh, Kings eighteen nineteen, and and therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. So they had. 400 prophets basically of Ashtaroth and 450 prophets of Baal which eat at good old Jezebel's table good old Jezebel she had she had a good ending in, in the end she she dolled herself all up she got put her makeup on and uh Jehu came to the city and and looked up I think it was the, to uh some eunuchs and they said are you with me yeah yeah throw Jezebel they throwed her down they threw her down she was all dolled up I mean you know all dressed up no place to go and they threw her down and and um, the dogs ate her, and uh, tr she got trampled. And, and in the end, the only thing left of her, I believe, was her hands and her feet and, and maybe her skull. And that was a fulfilling of prophecy that, you know, the uh, dogs are going to eat her body and these types of things. So, yeah, Jezebel didn't, she didn't have a good ending. And, and I uh, guarantee you she's not having a fun time where she's at now either. So anyway, let's go further here. The KJV... Uh, translates this word in the following manner grove and just so we have a little bit more uh, understanding of the word grove here and it says the prophets of the grove 400 so you had 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of the grove 400 and that was astaroth essentially it is derived the word grove is literally derived from astaroth the groves for idol worship sacred trees set up near an altar typically an altar to Baal. Uh, also, a Babylonian Astarte Canaanite goddess of fortune and happiness, the supposed consort of Baal. So this is this is where we get the word groves, is is literally um, translated um, from this from this etymology from from this background that we just went over. Okay, so just to kind of reiterate and, and go over these verses a little bit more as we go forward, then we go to First Kings eighteen twenty one, and it says. And Elijah came unto the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, in other words, if Baal be God, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Um, they were they were just, uh, they, they were at a loss for words, evidently. 
And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first. For ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under it. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and they called upon the name of Baal from morning even until noon. That's a long time. Saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. Baal wasn't in a million miles of that place probably because the lord jesus christ was there with elijah <laughs> so he wasn't going to mess with any of that <laughs> and and god wasn't going to let him mess with any of it either so basically they were calling on baal to basically send fire and to consume their their offering to turn it into a burnt offering to prove who was really god and who who was who was the true god okay but there was no voice nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god, small g, meaning Baal. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure, per meaning perhaps, he sleepeth <laughs> and must be awaked. So he's totally using sarcasm, basically, to mock these 450 prophets of Baal, these demon-possessed vessels of Satan that are doing Satan's work, that ate at Jezebel's table with the 400 prophets of the grove, or Ashtaroth. So, um, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. Oh, okay, I already said that. And, uh, and they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets, Till the blood gushed out upon them. So now they're getting really, really desperate because they're probably sensing that everything we've done up to this point, and they cried up from morning till noon, uh, it's not working. No ball. He's not showing up. He's not on the line. Okay? So nothing's happening. So they're like, okay, plan B. Let's get really serious. Let's show ball we're really serious. So then they start cutting themselves and basically turning themselves into like a blood sacrifice in order to get him um in evoke his powers that they that this sacrifice would be consumed and it came to pass when midday was passed that they prophesied until till the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice so now it's all the way into the evening uh that there was neither voice nor any answer nor any that regarded so there was no answer Good old Baal was silent the whole time. He, he was just, you know, didn't know what to say. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. It, it, it's funny, because it doesn't really say anything more about them. I mean, he killed 450 of these prophets of Baal? Yeah, that's what it says. It says he did it. Um, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess he had some help. He said, take the prophets of Baal and not, let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook and slew them. There. I mean, it's, it, I think he was the one that did all the, 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 uh, killing of these prophets. Uh, so the, that is, that is just, and then Elijah, if you hadn't ever had heard the story, Elijah basically soaked his offerings two or three times with all this water and, and and he chopped up a bullock and the whole nine yards and God sent fire down from heaven, consumed the whole offering, consumed all the water that was in the trench that he had made around the offerings and showing who was the real God of the universe. And it wasn't Baal. 
So anyway, then if we go further, some more uses of the word Baal. Uh, 1 Kings 19.18 Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So there were still 7,000. You'll hear that, that expression a lot, and that's used in the old and in the new. Okay, we'll, we'll get into the New Testament usage here at the end. And then the Bible says in 2 Kings 10.23, And Jehu went into the house of Baal. God had commissioned Jehu. <laughs> I mean, this guy, Jehu, was almost unlike anybody I've ever read about in the Bible. As far as this, this dude really, really, really knew how to get the job done. And... He didn't vary at all. I mean, he was like a laser beam focused basic killing machine when it came to what God told him to do about annihilating uh, whatever, whoever God said to needed to go, whatever idolaters needed to go, whatever people that were there that were worshiping a ball that needed to go. I have never read like anybody in the Bible that was more, I don't know if you want to call it zealous for the Lord. Unfortunately, he didn't. And, and what was crazy to me is, is that afterward, he didn't really serve God that much. I mean, he, he didn't turn totally wicked, but it, it's just, it's so weird that, that you would have thought he would have been like the most righteous King after that. And he really wasn't, you know, you just never know. But, uh, I mean, I don't want to judge the guy. I mean, it, I'm just saying it was it was, it was kind of paradoxical uh, when you read about Jehu. Anyway, <clears throat> this is just after this is after Jehu had already slain. I don't even know how many people that God had told him to go after. Okay, this is cleansing the land of wicked, evil idolaters that are causing the land to be defiled through their idolatry. Okay, this is why he did it. He didn't do it because he was trying to be Mr. You know, tyrannical God and he was just doing this on a whim. He wouldn't have done this to righteous people. These were people that were wicked vessels of Satan. They had chosen their way. They had delighted in wickedness and they had to go. Jehu was an instrument for that. Um, and Jehu went into the house of Baal and said unto the worshipers of Baal, Search and look that there be here with you none of the servants of the Lord, but the worshipers of Baal only. In other words, he didn't want anybody. He had called all of these worshipers of Baal together. He had tricked them, basically. He had said, um, I believe Ahab was served, served Baal a little bit. I will serve him like way more, essentially, is what he said. So he tricked them into thinking that he was going to serve Baal after he'd done all of this house cleaning. I'm surprised they really bought it, but they did. They came, and he had this big, you know, gathering together of all of these ball worshippers and these ball priests and these types of things. And when he got them all together, he said to them, "Look around, um, and look, and and there be with you only none of the servants of the Lord, but the worshippers of Baal only." He didn't want to kill anybody that was a worshipper of the Lord. In other words, okay. And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an, an end of the offering, the burnt offering, that Jehu said to the guard and to the captains. Go in and slay them, 
And I think the reason that he waited until the end of the offering to Baal was because he wanted to make sure they were all going to follow through, that these people were all committed to Baal and that they were all, they weren't just, it wasn't just lip service. They were actually going to go through with this. And they did. So then he said to the garden of the captains, go in and slay them. Let none come forth. And they smote them with the edge of the sword and the guard and the captains cast them out and went to the city of the house of Baal. And they brought them forth the images out of the house of Baal and burned them. And they break down the images of Baal and break down the house of Baal. And they made it a drawed house unto this day. And thus Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel. Now, the thing is, is bear all of these Bible verses in mind. Because I'm not even giving you all the ones that, that where God had Baal worshippers dealt with in the most severe manner possible, which is execution, okay? God's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Now, I'm not telling anybody to go out and kill anybody. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that when it gets to this point in society, where we're having the arches of Baal erected in Times Square in New York City, which I guess if you would say, what would be like if there was one place in the United States where it would be ground zero for like everything popping and happening and whatever well i think times square would be right up there at the top you know as far as okay ground zero for like you know that type of thing new york city times square sure i mean in new york city where would you say okay where's the most happening quote happening place and well times square is pretty hard to beat i mean isn't that where they have the ball drop every year you know that whole nine yards so all i'm saying is that as, as i'm going through this the study and looking at these bible verses it's like well when it gets to this point where you've got open worship of Baal, and Baal is being glorified and you've already got child sacrifice going on on a mass scale via planned parenthood and the other abortion abortuaries that are not only in the united states but elsewhere it will get to a point where god will step in and God deals with ball worshipers in the most severe terms possible when their judgment comes. Now, I'm not saying he wouldn't deal with worshipers of other false deities. But we have more precedent, though, in the Bible to examine regarding that than almost any other of these false deities. And, and, and another thing, too, this is like one of the ancient deities that you would never think of like, okay, today we've got the more kinder, gentler, like Buddha and Krishna and, and, and these types of things where they're not, they're all about peace and love and these types of, of things. Of course, Islam isn't, okay, Muhammad isn't. Um, but this is such an ancient, flagrant, pagan deity. And now we're bringing this back into the modern day realm on a mass scale to make it, I don't know, look trendy, look at, look, make it look wonderful. I'll show you the United Nations justification for why they're doing this. And it's a lie from the pit of hell, but they're trying to make this look like this is this wonderful, wonderful thing they're doing for humanity. Um, and, and I don't want to give too much away on that yet, but that's what, that's their justification for this. And it's just mind blowing to me because I look at how far is God's judgment behind 
when we see all of these dynamics going on at the same time and this is coming so far out in the open and things are so satanically out in the open now i mean they're stealing elections and they're telling you they're doing it right in your face they're bringing in all of these muslims they're taking away our first amendment right and it's it's illegal to say anything against these devils particularly like in europe and and the 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 mainstream news is censoring all of the stuff don't say anything against the lesbians gay bisexual transgender don't say anything against the radical muslims don't say anything against the um you know illegal aliens and everything that is good is being demonized and be becoming illegal essentially and everything that is wicked and evil is becoming glorified and getting a protected status essentially this is the day and times we, we, we find ourselves in. So uh, let's go further here. Uh, Jeremiah 19.5. And they have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal. Okay, so Baal was one of the chief um, human sacrifice deities that, that, that did ever exist. And then it goes on to say, which I commanded not, nor spake it, neither it came into my mind. In other words, God never commanded them to sacrifice their children to Baal, nor did it ever come into his mind, nor did he ever speak it. Okay, this was something that was, you know, inspired by Baal, and the people obeyed when they were told to do this. Uh, let's go further. And they built the high places of Baal. This is Jeremiah 32, 35. They built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and a lot of times you'll see these where they're in the high places, which is we're very, very, very typical of where a lot of high-level occult witchcraft will go on. It will be in the high places of the city or in the mountains and these types of things. Okay. Um, so they build the high places of all to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Moloch. So this is human sacrifice, but this is human sacrifice burning your own infant child alive okay it doesn't get more wicked and evil than that um which and then it says which i commanded them not neither came into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause judah to sin i mean i can't imagine anything that would would make god more angry than that you know the life god's given you you're going to literally take a little innocent baby and they're gonna and they're gonna have their 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 you know statue of Baal with its outstretched hands that they would light a fire under at the metal and the the, the hands were kind of pointing up and you would put the baby on the white hot metal and it had a hole in its stomach and you would put it on the the white hot metal it, the the hands the arms essentially it was outstretched. And the baby would roll down the, um, once it hit the white hot metal, it would roll down the arms into this hole where they had this white hot fire. And the baby would be consumed and that was the human sacrifice. And they would do it over and over and over. And they would beat drums to kind of drown out the cries of the babies. I mean, I just, I can't even remotely comprehend but i hate to say it this is where we're going back to 
this is where we're going back to. That what we're going into is a time the world's never known as far as wickedness goes. And the Bible clearly predicts it. You, I mean, Revelation, Daniel, First, Second Thessalonians, I mean, all kind of places. Matthew, we're not going to be able to comprehend the kind of wickedness that we're moving into here. And, and unfortunately, um, as it was in the past, <laughs> we're, we're coming back around to that again. And like I've said before, the backbone of the coming New World Order, the coming One World Religion, which will be really the backbone of the New World Order, the coming One World because it will have a very highly, significantly religious overtone, because you're not going to be able to motivate people politically and economically. There's certain sects of society, they're not going to be motivated by that. You're going to have to have the religious component, which is where we bring in the Antichrist and the false prophet. Okay, and they're going to deceive the world through signs and lying wonders and miracles. That's the chief way they're going to deceive the world. What is the source of the signs and lying wonders and miracles? Well, high-level witchcraft on a level we've never seen, we've never even been able to comprehend. Okay, and so this was witchcraft. This was you're you're sacrificing your baby to ball to get some type of typically economic reward, or maybe it was the matter of the baby was an inconvenience. I don't know, but typically it was for prosperity. Okay, good crop, good harvest. I mean, how could you live with yourself? It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But this is what they were doing, and um. Unfortunately, this is the day and time we're moving back into, and it's becoming more and more flagrant that we're moving back into it. When we see these arches being literally rebuilt in like the main um, populous centers in the world, smack dab right in the middle, how much in more in your face could you possibly get? I, I don't know. Uh, so let's go for, forward here. Uh, Hosea 2.8. For she did not know that I gave her corn, wine, and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold. Now this is like God's talking to like a type of Israel here. God gave the corn, the wine, the oil, and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Again, God is the one that, you know, gives us the seasons god is the one that gives us the harvest god is the one that gives us the reaping and all of these things that these pagans are attributing to basically satan because he's got them conned into thinking that he's the one that gave them all that so now i'm not saying satan can't give stuff okay because there is benefit to witchcraft where people wouldn't get into it but he's got them conned into thinking he's the giver of all things and he's this and he's that and that's a lie for the pit of hell so then we have Romans 11.3 that says, Lord, they have killed the prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. And I'm telling like my listeners, and I don't need to tell my listeners this, but all I'm saying is that don't ever, ever, ever think about worshiping Baal giving up doing anything and i'm not saying that even in a i mean i know that you wouldn't okay but new listeners people that are maybe baby christians people like that that would think well maybe i could take the mark of the beast like the left behind series said and still get saved you can't 
you take the mark of the beast, you're going to go to hell. There's no way out. Okay, so don't ever, 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 no matter what, no matter if it costs you your life, no matter if it means you get beheaded, no matter if it means you having to stand there and watch your family be beheaded, don't ever give up on the Lord Jesus Christ, ever. There is no justification for that. There will never be a biblical justification for you turning your back on the Lord. The Bible says, they that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Okay, and that doesn't mean you're going to do it under your own power and I'm going to just will myself and I'm going to be... No, you have to do it through the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside you as a born-again Christian. You cannot do it any other way. I mean, apart from Christ, I can do nothing, as the Bible says, but I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And they overcame him, Satan essentially, the false prophet, the Antichrist, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they love their lives not unto the death. That's how we overcome him. And if it means our life, if it means we die, oh well, we get to go be with Jesus Christ forever. And he'll give you the strength when the time comes to deal with whatever you're facing. Okay, I can't give you that strength. I can't give you, I'm just a man. I can... I can fail you all day long. So I'm saying, don't even don't put your trust in me. Don't put your trust in the man. The Bible says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 5. So don't put your trust in a man. I see that more and more all the time. Every time I turn around, some some other whatever listeners putting their trust in this man. Oh, I, I, this guy's okay. Really? 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 So it's a man now. It's, oh, and he's the only one that can interpret the Bible for you. And he's the only one that can really tell you what the scriptures mean. Well, the Holy Spirit lives inside you as a born-again Christian. And if you have a King James Bible, he should be able to help you interpret that. Now, I'm not saying good preachers and good teachers are a bad thing. I'm just saying be super, super careful of who you're putting your trust in. Okay? That's all I'm saying. And if it's some guy that has to constantly, constantly go back to the original Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew in order to tell you what the Bible really says, in other versions no less, get away from him. Okay? Get away from him. The Bible, the, the, the simplicity of the gospel is something that we don't want to neglect. We don't want things to get so complicated reading our Bible where, oh, I've got to do this, and I've got to be a theologian, I've got to... No, most of the time, cemeteries, I mean, seminaries, totally ruin preachers. From my experience, oh, yoke up with the state, become 501c3, yoke up with the government. Where's that in the Bible? Can't serve two masters, can't bow the knee to Baal and the knee to God. Let me tell you, the 501c3 church is just going to be on the new world religion. They're, they're, they're on the train. They're, they're on the train, the train's starting to depart. They're going to be forced at some point to get off the train. They're yoked up with it. The 501c3 corporate church is, is a part of the new world order, one world religion. And if you're already in that system, you're already halfway there. You know? Because they're going to come to you at some point, you know, well, you know, things have changed there, uh, Ted. And, uh, you know, I know you say you're Christian, this and that, but we're going to have a one world religion, and you're all going to have to play nice and get on the same. You're not going to be able to say that your religion is any better than mine. And I'm going to get into that in coming up. In, in um, We're going to give you total proof of what I just said. There's going to be no way out. And that's just one of the, the <laughs> you know, 
of the things regarding 501c3 and, and, and how seminaries so much of the time ruin oh the king james bible it's no good it's it's just one of the more inferior versions and we need to use all these other ones that are translated from corrupt catholic texts viticanus and sinaticanus and, and or vaticanus and sinaiticus i'm sorry and westcott and hork translated that into these versions in 1881 called the revised version and that spawned all the other false versions that we have today totally corrupt underlying text type and i'm supposed to use that no, I'll stick with the one that's from the Textus Receptus or the Byzantine text or the majority text, the King James Bible. I'm going to stick with that one. And it is that big of a deal. You know, you quote scripture back to Satan, you want it to be the word of God. You don't want it to be from some lukewarm, watered-down perversion that has no real power. Because, you know, the words of God are, are powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword able to divide into the soul and spirit and the joint and marrow, and are a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay? The Bible talks about, above all, taking up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. you got to believe, when you, when you start literally battling evil, and I really think we're going to start seeing this very, very soon. i got one listener, he's had so many instances as of late of seeing people with reptilian eye slits that i can't even tell you it's like every time i turn around he's getting another experience well god's preparing him for something he's preparing his remnant and not everybody in the remnant's going to be i think dealing with that but i truly believe these days are coming where we're literally going to be dealing with evil entities in bodily forms and spiritual forms where lit i mean your faith is going to have to be uh sufficient <laughs> large enough to be able to deal with that on that level okay you don't want to be a baby christian dealing with something like that or some person that's going to manifest when they, i've had several people email me um you know you, if you've heard my stuff in the past i've had i haven't had experiences with with i would say people with reptilian slits but my daughter has i have listeners that have they're increasing it's getting more something's going on cern keeps running opening up doorways now we got the temple of ball being erected or the the arches of the temple of ball which is probably going to act as some type of portal or doorway for these demonic entities to come in if there's not enough prayer going up about this we got wickedness increasing this gives these devils a right to inhabit and come into our plane of existence that have been held back for a long time i believe by the hand of god but as wickedness increases that's that hand of protection is moving but as wickedness increases god's grace all the more so i do believe there's going to be a counterbalancing of god to deal with that who's he going to use he's going to use his remnant so I really believe we're, we're, we could be literally right on the cusp where the rubber truly starts to meet the road here, where we're literally dealing with these things. I'm, I'm trying to walk always now with a body cam on. I want to start capturing this stuff. I mean, I, you know, I really believe when, 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 if you can start doing that and start putting videos like that up online, man, how many people could get saved from that? I mean, that's what I'm looking at. I'm saying, okay, how many people can get saved? How much glory can you give to the lord jesus christ through these it's not about me it's not i'd be honest i'm look i'm looking forward to it and i hate to say that but i am 
I've, I've felt for years I'm, I'm called to this. For years I felt this is going to be the thrust of my ministry. When, when most likely the internet ministry starts to, well, they're gonna, we only have a certain amount of time, obviously. I mean, it's not going to keep going on forever. But, I mean, <laughs> I'm jealous of that guy. <laughs> seeing my listeners, seeing all this stuff. And I know, I don't want to say like I'm Mr. Big Bad Scott. Or, I'm not. I'm just, I can't help it. I know, I know that I know that I know that they're not going to be able to deal with the word of God. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. That's my reality. And, and I want to impart that faith to my listeners because they can do the same thing I can and probably better. Because if I got what I deserved, I'd get death and hell. I don't even know why God puts up with me. So all I'm saying is, is that I really believe the more I see, the more I study, the more all I'm being flooded with information, man. And again, we're going to be looking at dates here. April 19th. I'm telling you, this could be big. Now, God could push it back again. If there's enough prayer, there's enough fasting, he could push it back. But I seriously doubt there's hardly any of the Christian remnant that are even aware of this. And even fewer that are that are praying about it. Or fasting, that type of thing. So, uh, let's. Uh, I'm, I'm almost out of time here. So let me just finish up these Bible verses, and then we can go to part two. Um, oh, okay. I think that you know, we're just about done. He says, "But what saith the uh, what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal, and that's Romans eleven four. God is the same today, yesterday, and forever." There's still a remnant on the planet that haven't bowed their knee to ball, okay? And hopefully it's way more than 7,000 <laughs> at this point. But listen, I believe that a lot of my listeners are part of that, okay? And we have the power through the Lord Jesus Christ to be more than conquerors, more than conquerors through the Lord Jesus Christ. And... They that are gods are, are mighty and will do exploits. Okay, so, again, I don't ever know when my last teaching is going to be my last teaching. So, it's, it's like I want to get these things in. And like I said in the last few teachings, I've been trying to be more proactive with, with these teachings as of late. I'm, I'm trying to give you more rubber meets the road. Okay, listen, this is the case, but here's what we need to do. Okay, and in um, instead of just spewing out current events you know which i'm trying to do more of that with the newsletter okay whereas i want to try to turn my teachings more into proactive okay here's what we can do about stuff now i'm not saying i'm never going to co uh, cover current events i have to do that if, if the lord gives me time to keep going with this ministry um but like this to me this is a very 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 important rubber meets the road type of teaching where where we need to be educated about these things. We need to get our faith built up. We need to be rooted and grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ, having our, our house built on the solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the winds come and the rains come, we're not going to be moved off it. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we're walking around sinless perfection. Yes, should we try to attain that? Absolutely. Okay? And we don't use our liberty for an occasion of the flesh. Absolutely. Um, but 
the last verse here then is Romans 11.5. Even so then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Okay, so there is a remnant here on planet Earth now and according to the election of grace. Okay, for you say by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I'll end on saying if you don't know about that, go to contendingfortruth.com. One word, contending for, letter F-O-R, truth.com, and click click on the True Salvation tab, and there's a series of my teachings there you can listen to, and it'll walk you through the whole process of salvation. So, that's all I have for part one. God bless you, and we will see you in part two. Scott Johnson's 1,000-plus audio teachings and PDF documents are available for free 24-7 on the Internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H.com. In addition, we also offer a free Christian current event and health email newsletter. You can sign up at contendingfortruth.com. These email newsletters typically only generate about three to six emails per month if you subscribe to both lists. Please prayerfully help us to continue this work. For mail correspondence or to support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2359 Highway 70 Southeast, number 321, Hickory, NC, 28602. Or on the internet, a PayPal donation link can be found at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.